It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome into the special edition of Motor City Realist. I am your host, Mike Brown. This is my co-host, Zach Mack. Zach Mack, we are on the verge of the playoffs, so we can call this a special edition show. Um, we're going to talk, obviously, all things line. We're going to talk a little Red Wings. We're going to have the playoff picture, the implications. We'll have a little roundtable. A lot to cover, but Zach, how are we feeling tonight? Good. Christmas season's always got my spirits up, so... Uh, like you said, it's icing on the cake that uh, we can clinch the division, something that's never happened in my lifetime. So, yeah, it's it's all good vibes, all good vibes right now. And for those of you tuning in tonight or that have watched throughout the season, check out the Twitter, check out the Belly Up Facebook, check out the Belly Up Media Instagram. Zach? I don't want to call him Nostradamus because we haven't done anything yet, but check out the clip from week one where we were breaking down a schedule and Zach was talking, you know, obviously going into the Denver game at home. He had his kind of predictions there, what he was thinking. And and he dropped a little little nugget saying that, you know, what are the odds, you know, what, what would be great for a Christmas Eve clinching game against Minnie? And, and here we are. So Zach, uh, you know, you 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 dug out that uh, that video from the archives. The old uh, producer cut that up for us. She yeah. got it out there. Rebecca, appreciate you. <laughs> um, 
Zach, man, I mean, have yeah. you, I mean, what, how did you run into that? I, I know, it w- obviously, they, they probably reached out, but I know you're probably going through some clips. Yeah, yeah, you know, honestly, it was, I had those Christmas vibes before the season, and it just dawned on me earlier today. I was like, you know what? I think I always thought we were going to go into this Christmas Day weekend with a chance to, I think, clinch a playoff spot is what I said it, uh, preseason. So, yeah, even better. We get to clinch the division. Uh, so that's cool. And, um, yeah, I think – and also in the clip you hear us both give our, our predictions, and we're both still in line for that. You you, you went with the 13-4. and four. I was down at the 12-5. and five. So uh, if we run the table, then uh, – then you're you're Nostradamus on that one, and, and you know what's funny is uh, I think in the past probably two weeks we had mentioned, obviously we talked about the back end of the season looking good early on, saying mm-hmm. it was a cakewalk, and now we're we're saying, hey man, it's piling it on, and we're we got to the point where, you know, we we end up in mini, but we got that that Monday night game Dallas, and we said, you know, the, a lot of playoff implications, a real good test, but is there? an opportunity that we get that far along where we start resting some starters and Dan Campbell on cue says, ain't happening. We're going to rest our starters when we win the Super Bowl." So here we are going into Christmas Eve, Minnesota, uh, not to get too far into that game. We still got to talk about the Denver uh, game, which um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, obviously I, I, I'm leading into Christmas Eve, but Denver, um, Zach, man, that this is the game that I feel like both of us were kind of wrong. We, we kind of had our predictions. We both kind of thought that we were going to win, but it was going to be close. Um, for for a split second, I thought the way this was opening up, it wasn't as quick, but the way this was opening us up, uh, kind of like the Saints game, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get up, and and we're kind of got to fall. But but man, uh, a lot to be said about this game. A lot to be excited about uh, going in this late in the season bringing some people back, starting to get healthy. But, Zach, what was your take? Uh, I know uh, you being in Florida, were you able to watch the game? Yeah, I did watch this one. And, yeah, I texted you early on. Obviously, I didn't. I, I was pessimistic from the get-go because I think last week I had actually picked uh, the Lions to lose this game. So I was already kind of going in it with not the right mindset. And <clears throat> Goff takes a sack on the first drive, and it kicks us out of field goal range. And I texted you, and I was like, you just you can't do that. Like, this, this is how we're going to start this game, really. Uh, but then after that, obviously, couldn't have been better. Uh, five tutties, I think, for Goff. Three of them to Sam Laporta. Offense yeah. was clicking. Ben Johnson name getting circulated all over again. And fifteen, I, I, not to get too too too. Excited, yeah, I did see this. Fifteen million is the possible asking price per year for Ben Johnson at this point. Which would be like, I think I read the highest for anyone who's never won a championship before. I think, and yeah, um, I think Kyle Shanahan is making ten million a year for put it in perspective. But, but yeah. uh, we'll get we'll get to that. But a lot of Lions fans saying uh, after that game, oh, you know, that's a high asking price. Kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You don't want to pay that guy that got that much money because we want to hang on to Ben. But uh, it, it's funny because everything we've talked about in the past two weeks is coming to light this this week. Ben Johnson, we were wondering, hey, where are you going to go? What's going to go on? And he, did he kind of redeem himself with this? The team played good. Aaron Glenn, you know, the defense held up. So overall, I think this is probably one of the most well-rounded games that we've had. Offense looked good. Defense looked good. You and I both said that this game had to be a Jamison Williams game. And I think 
this was the Jameson Williams game that was best for Jameson Williams, but I don't think it was the the thought that we had because yeah. we thought it would have been like the home run ball, but he got peppered early. Some great catches. He had that one that kind of halfway through the game where he got rolled up on late. It looked like he could have been injured, but he still held on to the ball. But overall, I think coming into his own, starting to be a more reliable target, um, I was happy with it. It wasn't the home run balls, but a lot of, a lot of, I think he had four or five receptions early. You know, nothing yeah, crazy, and, but, and but there took was, it away from Amra. Yeah. Yeah. There was, and, they, and they were trying to get him involved early. Um, they tried some some screens, I think. I can't remember if it was a reverse or if it was a screen, but I remember because that was one of the things I was looking for in this game. And so I liked that they tried to get out and get him the ball early. Um, one thing I noticed was that Denver's defense just had so much trouble covering our routes through the middle of the field, whether they were they were um crossing routes or or but that and that's how Laporta ate him up was they yeah, just couldn't I'll- guard him. In a lot of all pros and Pro Bowls in that secondary, their defense is actually really, really good. Um, I was shocked so, at how so, yeah. unprepared they were, to be honest, especially now, with that being like a Sean Payton defense. I was just going to say, we talked about Dan Campbell-Sean Payton relationship, and and I don't know if you saw the pregame, the, the interview saying that Dan Campbell said there's so much respect between those two guys, but he knows that Sean Payton wants to embarrass him. And it's not a disrespectful thing, it's just, that's Sean Payton's mentality. He's going to go out there and put the pedal to the metal, and they've been playing good football lately. Um, but, I mean, I feel like we talk about Laporta. We talk about the rookies, and Laporta's up there, obviously. We continue to talk about him. But even as good as he's playing, I still don't think he's getting enough love. I I, I, I mean, that game solidified. We, we talk about him breaking Dicka's record. You know, it's, it's on pace. But that game, I mean, he just – and a lot of these catches are contested catches. They're not him yeah. wide open. Him, I mean, I mean he, he is destroying tight ends in, in the yes. touchdown category, like destroying he, them. He is making plays. And I, and I saw a, uh, uh, another company, they, they had a, a, a podcast today or a, a live stream. And I was watching them. And they said, this is like one of the first years that back to the Gronk and, and Greg Olson days where the tight end. Well, even though you didn't necessarily draft tight ends high, as far as fantasy football, the tight end, well, you can start almost two tight ends a week uh, with Laporta coming in, uh, Trey McBride, you know, some other players that maybe kind of f- were under the radar. You got your Kittles, you got your Kelsey. But but I feel like the tight end position is coming back. And and here we are talking about La- Laporta, the rookie, which I think I, I mentioned cornerback and, and tight end is probably one of the positions, the hardest positions to come into as, uh, you know, a rookie. But, man, I mean – we're not even talking about Amron. We're not even talking about, you know, Gibbs. Gibbs had a great game, but I mean, Laporta, I mean, golf, five touchdowns. So much, so much. I, I don't know. I just feel like so much parody to the last episode where a lot of pressure on golf. I know one game doesn't yeah. make things, but here we are. People are calling for his head and, and he's got a five touchdown game and, and boom. I mean, we, we shredded, we shredded Denver. What was your, Biggest takeaway, did you watch the defense side of the ball, offensive side of the ball? Do you think it was a well-rounded game? I mean, what was your – obviously, we talk about J-Mo, Laporta. Uh, I mean, what did you see in that game that maybe excited you, maybe we've been waiting on uh, to build into Minnesota? I, I think, uh, you know, uh, what shocked me the most, I'm just going to reiterate, was was how 
Denver's defense just couldn't seem to figure out our offense. And and I really think like I'm okay with making this the Sam Laporta episode, honestly, because I really do think that the way he goes about like if he stays on the straight and narrow, he very well could be the most important person to this to the longevity of a dynasty if it becomes one. You know, he could be the Travis Kelsey of the Detroit Lions. And because yes. he's still got, like you said, he's still young. And so if he just, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit for him. And that is what stood out to me in this game specifically, because obviously having the three touchdowns helps. And now he's three touchdowns ahead of everyone else in the league as far as tight ends goes. And he's, I think he's tied for third as far as all pass catchers go. Um, and he just needs a few more yards. Did you see that for the Lions to be the first team to have two 1,000-yard rushers and 1,000-yard receivers? And one of those being Laporta is insane, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I love it. This is not mentioned before the episode, but the fact that we can say this is the Sam Laporta episode, I, I'm, I'm behind that because <laughs> what he has meant to this team, even though, again, we've talked about him, people have talked about him, I still don't think he's – and I know – I'm not a, a lion slappy, but I mean, what he is doing for the lions for the tight end position, I mean, unheard of and continues, uh, you know, Amra had, had a decent game. Like I said, Gibbs, I mean, all, all these, it was, it was an offensive explosion. Granted Laporta had the three touchdowns, but I mean, he is just, he's consistent. He's probably one of the most consistent players uh, that I've seen in a long time. And he's a rookie. And he is, you know, what stands out to me is that he is wide open. I feel like a lot like and there's he on tape. He's not, he wasn't the fastest. He didn't run the best routes. He he wasn't the strongest. There's just something about him that is, and, and, and you said it like Denver's defense, especially their secondary that that's not a, there's no slouches in that secondary. There's some hard hitters. There's some really good pro bowlers, some all pros that, Hey man, you know maybe there's not a lot of tape, but I would assume by, you know, th- this far in the season, there there's a, enough to to game plan for Sam Laporta, you know. So um, yeah. overall, I mean, just really, really, this goes back to Brad Holmes. I mean, we 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 scratch our head on draft draft day, wondering what's going on. You know, hey, yeah, you're getting a lot of value at position, but do we really need these positions? But we continue to talk about this rookie class, four starters, you know. Up, possibly five yeah i mean these guys are just just contributing and when you think gibbs is the man or campbell is the man then laporta comes out and then next week it'll be good i mean we're back and forth on all these guys and it's like i i saw another thing that really really was it made a lot of sense where they said hey you know as far as the gibbs situation yeah we know what kind of talent we drafted but we're going to ease him along and everybody was so mad early on the season. We're not giving Gibbs the ball. We're not giving Gibbs the ball. And here we are, four games of the season. Now Gibbs is getting the ball, obviously, back then. So basically, when the college football playoff starts, um, you know, Gibbs is 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 expended. I mean, he's, he's spending all of his energy. Everything's done. Now, basically, in the season is when that would happen. And Gibbs is really hitting his stride because we kind of eased him along. So he, while he's not necessarily fresh – he's built for the for the the long haul this season because we didn't over you know use and abuse him and, and that's a lot that's one of those great things then you got montgomery and i know i'm going on a ramp uh you know a tangent here but man i mean uh, a lot of excitement from that game and, and i don't want to get too too far ahead of myself but you know we didn't even talk about the defense 
Yeah, that that and that's a really good point you bring up. I think because I, I think that's lost on a lot of people when you're talking about a rookie and easing him in is how many more games it is in the NFL than it is in a college season. So I think that's a really good point. When in in like you said, he's just not hitting a stride, and he's now at like we've played 14 games now, which is about the max you're going to play if you're going the distance in a college season. So now you're getting into uncharted territories, and it's if you worked him like a workhorse all season, then you you really don't know what you're going to get. It's a big question mark. But the way that they approached it, I think, I think that's you know, and that's lost on a lot of people. Like because like you said, it was it was towards the beginning of the season that people were complaining, and they're not complaining anymore. And to be at almost a thousand yards already as a rookie, especially when you've already gotten a thousand yard rusher on your team, like obviously, yeah, we keep saying it. There's so much to be excited about on this offense. And when they play a game like that against Denver, it just gets you going. But uh, yeah, like you said, the defense also showed up. It wasn't, it wasn't the saints game repeat, which I, I like how you said you had a little bit of flashbacks, immediate flashbacks. Cause you texted me that you're like, if they come out flat in the second half, I'm going to be so pissed. And, and, but what they didn't, man, they stood tall and it wasn't a repeat of the saints game where, although we won, it ended up being close. I mean, this was, what did we finish? 42 to 17. I, I you know, I don't think either of us would have ever predicted that. No. And I think this is where, I mean, every, I mean, every episode just kind of hits in stride. I mean, we, we touch every point we talk about, you know, Dan Campbell's, you know, we talked about Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson, their progression the past couple uh, weeks. And Dan Campbell, you know, he had to light a fire on this team after this past week. And, and you know, there's there's one thing that I was concerned about is halftime adjustments. And I felt like this this game, the, you know, this far into the season, you're talking about the Eagles, people are writing them off saying because they lost two back-to-back games. Like, I'm not doing that. San Francisco had two back back-to-back losses, you know, early in the season. While they're not written off, there was a lot – you saw what happened to Dallas, and and there was a lot of skepticism around Detroit. And, and by no means am I saying we're going to win the Super Bowl, but I feel like they righted the ship. Everything fell back into place. But now it's like, do we get ahead of our – we can't get ahead of ourselves going into many because we can wrap it up. And it's basically NFC all the way out, obviously, divisional games outside of that uh, with Dallas. Um so I feel like everything, even though we talked about the backside of the schedule being soft, it really plays into our favor. Obviously, we we hold our own destiny. You know, we control that. Defense played good, but uh, but yeah, that Denver game, I feel like that was the most complete game. Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, everybody. I think that coaching staff, the they went into halftime. They didn't come out where to the point where they're just going to get rolled over. So hopefully that builds some momentum. Ragnall's back. You know, got some guys back. CJ, we haven't been talking about. Gardner Johnson, uh, you know, right. that, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting healthy at the right time. Uh, you know, and, and it's crazy to think we're talking about long haul, but, uh, anything else you want to touch on for that Denver Detroit game? No, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm ready to look. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's look forward because I am really, it's going to get really interesting how this shakes out. And you touched on the Eagles kind of slumping lately, and that means a lot for the ones he being up for grabs. Obviously, San Francisco holds out right now, but uh, I think their schedule is a little tougher going down the stretch. Obviously, we've got the big game against the Cowboys, but um, Minnesota first, and this one is away. What are your – you know, we we touched on C.J. Gardner. Is he coming back for this game? Is he – I haven't home? seen exactly – I know he was cleared last week. Uh, it was all about – Campbell said basically getting him in game shape. I don't know necessarily that they're going to 
set him out. Maybe he plays, maybe he is on a snap count. I don't know. You know, he's one of those guys that he's an emotional leader. Um, you know, we talked about branch, you know, they didn't want to move him around too much. So he's, he's got his snaps kind of reduced because they want him to focus on one position. Uh, you know, Tracy Walker hasn't played, you know, they've been, the secondaries looked a lot different. Uh, Jerry Jacobs has been benched. So I feel like we need that help. So, uh, I would, I'd be surprised, uh, if he plays the whole game or comes out, you know, like, yeah, I'd be surprised. But would I be surprised if he's, you know, part of the game plan, situational here and there? No, I, I think that they ease him into it kind of. Uh, but I haven't heard one way or another. I just know that he was cleared. I haven't even paid attention to see if he's practiced this week. That's, that, well, that's I know, a shame on me, you know. I, I saw he said that he's got, you know, he's got that dog in him and he's ready to be, uh, yeah. he's, he's ready to help down the stretch, which I guess we'll just see. We'll see, you know, because he's on a one-year deal, right? And he was hurt for most yeah. of the year. So it's just kind of like, are you going to live up to your word? And, and I guess, you know, that's why, and that's probably a majority of the reason why he signed with Detroit was to be a contender, to be in this situation, um, obviously not to be hurt, but, but to, at this, at this yeah. point of the season to be in a situation where you can go win. And man, I think, I got this feeling that Detroit is going to be so motivated going into this game in Minnesota. And I don't think they're going to be the type that's like, we want to, we're going to drag this, you know, division thing out because you lose to Minnesota. You know, it's not just, it's not just not clinching against a non division. Like you're also giving them ground and you're guaranteed to wait this out another week. It's not like you can get help and still clinch the division. And I just think you're going to want to get this done. Chase the one seed. If the, if the, if the opportunity presents itself, but I have a feeling that Dan Campbell gets him, gets him very motivated. I think this is like a, a 31 to 21 win. I, I, I agree with you because I feel like this is something that hasn't in our lifetime. We haven't had the opportunity to clinch early. It's usually a wild card going to the last game or two. Here we are three games out and we can basically wrap it up saying, Hey, we're, we're stamping it. We can win the, win the division, not, not necessarily just, you know, punch our ticket, but win the division, you know, that's unheard of this, this far out. It, I shouldn't say this far out, but I mean, you know, really there's only one team that's really clinched anything or, or playoff spot. That was last week. So one, yep. we removed from that CJ Gardner, Johnson, we talked about his, his uh, contract situation. I feel like one, he, he likes Detroit. He wants to play in Detroit again. Nobody wishes for an injury. He definitely didn't want that, but I feel like he's still, I almost feel like this should motivate him more to say, Hey, I've got a lot to prove because I'm on this one year deal that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a leader, but I haven't played enough to show you what I can do. And, and I really hope this, that's one of those things that he comes in, uh, you know, uh, an emotional guy. I honestly, I think early on, he got that, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct early on in the season that kind of, kind of hurt us, but I feel like he's going to come in have a few plays and if he gets an unsportsmanlike conduct or something like that, like the defense is just going to like totally lose it and just, just be so hyped because he's back, you know, like one of those things where <laughs> he's just one of those guys, like, I don't even care if it's like the latest hit in the world, like he's back, here we go. And let's go on to the playoffs and let's extend this guy. Yeah. I, I think, you know, looking at this Minnesota game too, cause you know, you're going to Minnesota, so you're on the road. Um, you have that element, but, I'm still looking at that. Yeah. And I'm still looking at that defense because I said it two weeks ago, or, or actually I said it last week after uh, going into the Denver game that we weren't a contender because of the way our defense was playing over the last five, six weeks. 
And yeah, they played great at home against Denver, but I'm not, I'm not going to flip that easily. And I'm going to say, look, I still need to see something out of defense. This is a division opponent. This is somebody that can keep you from winning the division, at least for the time being. Uh, are you going to go out there and get the job done? Because I mean, Minnesota has weapons, Justin Jefferson, um, Addison's having a good season. I know they have their third string quarterback, but they can still make, make stuff happen. And if, if we're going to let it walk over us like that, I, you know, I'm so I'm still worried about us as a contender. We might clinch, but I'm worried about us as a contender on the stretch. So this to so, me, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I'll weigh in, but what, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I know we've got the Dallas game coming up behind it, but this, this is, is kind of a precursor to that is, you know, when, when, when there's something on the line, are you going to step up? Because this is the first time this season that something's on the line. And I, and I feel I, I definitely understand that because, you know, it, it's kind of like any situation. You, don't want, you you got Dallas in two weeks. You don't want to overlook what's in front of you. But here we are, like, two weeks removed from Minnesota winning a game three to nothing against Vegas. And then Vegas goes out the next game and, and throws up 60 <laughs> points. And it's like, what is it? Like, what is going on? So, it, Exactly what you're saying is like the opportunities here, it's presenting itself. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't, we're the realists here. We don't want to say that, Hey, we're going to walk in because we can lose out and really screw ourselves. But I mean, it's, it's here. It's in front of you. Yes. It's in Minnesota, but you're talking a, a Christmas Eve game, like another national spotlight type deal thing, whether, you know, it's planned up or not, you're playing on Christmas Eve. Like, you, you got to seal the deal. And I think, like I said, that CJ, CJ Gardner, you know, everything that's going in, you can't overlook this game. It, it, I don't feel like this is a trap game. I like the 31, uh, what'd you say? 31, 14. Is that what you said? Or 31, 21 is what I, 31, I, I, I'm kind of on the fence of 27, 14. I feel like uh, our, our offense keeps going. I think our defense, uh, 14 points against them, even though, like you said, uh, third-string quarterback, we mentioned that, but they still got tons of weapons. Uh, I feel like holding them to 14 points, any any game in the NFL where you hold them to 14 points, no matter who's playing quarterback, is a huge win and can really, really build into Dallas because that game, uh, even though Dallas got, got, got throttled last week, I, I still think Dallas is uh, – uh, an offensive firepower, even though, you know, they don't have much of a running game. There's just a lot to be said. And, and I, I got my one fantasy tie in here. I started Dak Prescott last week and he lost me. He lost me to go to the next round because he got me a whole whopping eight. Of course points. he did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think we overlooked this game. I think we, we finalized. I think we, we, we stamp our ticket and I think it's uh, put the ears down, pin them back and, and, full force to the playoffs. Yeah. We're not, we're not resting anybody. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake that we could make is telling ourselves that we play Minnesota again in two weeks. I think the moment that you tell yourself that if we don't beat them, we can beat them in two weeks and still clinch. Cause it's, you know, you just got to basically win one of them. Uh, you've lost the moment that that thought creeps in your mind. You've, you've lost. So I think that's the only thing is as long as we keep that, you know, obviously, you know, you got Dallas coming up, but just keep that two weeks away. Just keep it far away. And I, and I think we're fine. I think we win that game. So, but elsewhere uh, in the playoff picture, uh, what has got you, what, what has got you intrigued? Because honestly, I don't, and, and 
you know, you're, you're, you live in Ohio, so I got to bring this up. Like Cleveland is having the quietest nine and five season I have ever seen. I was literally just at dinner with one of my buddies. He's a Cincinnati fan. And uh, I said, you know, he was at the game last week and, and he was like front row in Cincinnati in the end zone. I said, how much do you spend for those? It says as soon as Burrow went down, like they were dirt cheap. And so uh, I was laughing and I'm like, that division, even being wide open, is is still a, a good division. I mean, Baltimore, yeah, it's probably the best team, but you got Cleveland. You, I mean, you've got Cincinnati, and and somehow the Steelers are still alive, even though they look like crap. But you're talking the same thing with Cincinnati down to their backup. You're talking Cleveland down to their backup, and and Joe Flacco looks like an MVP. Uh, uh, like, I mean, in his shortcomings, but like, I don't know what to expect. We talk about the NFC being. This year, like a powerhouse, you know, San Francisco's running away with it. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I feel like all the NFC teams outside of Detroit, granted they had one one win that looked good just against Denver to kind of right the ship, and all these other teams are kind of falling off. It's like, you know, you see Buffalo win a big game against, you know, that, I mean, I it, I feel like everything Kansas City is is falling off, and I think I think I said that early on that Kansas City is still. It's not the team that it used to be, but I think there's one team that we're definitely not talking about, even though they should be talked about, is Miami. Miami continues to roll on. Tyreek Hill didn't play. I mean, there's just so much. I think we talked about it early on the season. I don't know if we talked about the matchups and stuff like that, but I just think there's just so much firepower on that team that it's hard to believe that last year they underperformed the way they did, and this year they're just killing teams, and I feel like, even still there's such a playoff picture with all these other teams all muddled together. And there's so many implications for the wild card and different things going on that, that the dolphins are just skating in and nobody's talking about them. But I feel like, man, that's a team that whew, I'm glad we don't have to look at them until the super bowl. If we get there, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. That's they Yeah. And I see the narratives against them is that like, cause their losses are against good teams. Right. And, and everyone's talking about that. And so maybe, but Look, I honestly think that I think Miami's got a chance to be the AFC champion. Um, but I, I also like I get I get very impressed by Baltimore. And, and if it comes down to Miami having to go to Baltimore at a chance to go to the Super Bowl, I think that's a really good game. And I, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've talked about it all year. Miami's got that that ability to explode for points whenever. And it's just, I don't know, because we also talked about we played a game in Baltimore this year, right? And Baltimore's a tough place to play. So the AFC, I mean, we talk about Baltimore's division, and they, wouldn't that be insane if, like, all the wild cards came from it was well, just and that's, Cleveland that's kind of how it's shaping up. Like, I mean, <laughs> and, and I know you just talked about being in Ohio and Cleveland, and I didn't really touch on that, but, like, there's a real chance that that team can make some noise with – a backup running back, a backup quarterback, you know, like there's a lot of parity within the AFC that the NFC early on looked like, hey, it was going to be the division to, to beat. And, you know, obviously, like I said, there's Miami and the AFC, but I felt like overall that the NFC was the most competitive. And now you're talking Baltimore, talking, uh, you know, well, I shouldn't say Baltimore, Baltimore, obviously, but that entire division, uh, you know, can, can, can round it out, obviously the Dolphins, but I mean, it, it, it's hard to believe, and I and I don't know, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, you know, saying that, you know, we win and, and we play an a, a, AFC team. Is there a team that I want to match up against? I mean, that's that's too far off, but 
you know, Baltimore did us dirty in, in the NFL. It's hard to beat a team twice in one year, but you know, dang, I mean, do you want to see Baltimore? Do you want to see the Dolphins? And again, we're way, way ahead of ourselves, but I mean, yeah. is there a, a division that scares you? I mean, does, does the AFC scare you more than the NFC? That's interesting because you think about like, who would you want to see in the Super Bowl if we got that far and, and Kansas City comes up because you've already beat them, but it's that same thing. Like you said, it's hard to beat the team twice, and that's kind of the I mean, that would be the parody in the NFL that the Kansas City somehow squeaks in, we make it to the Super Bowl, and we play each other. And, again, it's hard to beat a team twice. And, and yeah. Kansas City squeaks in the notorious and how, for the like, Super Bowl. And, yeah, the storyline would be like it was the first and the last game of the season, you know, like the, oh, the NFL yeah, I mean, season. But, no, I mean, look, obviously if, <laughs> if I had to pick, I want to play Jacksonville. Um, but – no, I, I would agree with you. I think, although you've got the mess in the NFC with the the, the whole Buccaneers, Saints, uh, that whole uh, division. Yeah, you're talking another division. Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I, I think it's San Francisco, and then I would just hate if it was San Francisco and Baltimore, honestly. I, I want to see Miami. I, out of the AFC, if I had to like, if I was like trying to pick one, I would like to see Miami. I think they're an electric football team, but I don't know. People are I mean, saying that people are saying that you wouldn't want to face the Rams right now either. Well, and I, I say the game's on right now. They're winning seven nothing is Saints, which is not saying much. But uh, you know, we're talking about that. In I mean, I, I don't know. You talk about these other teams that are flying on the radar. You know, we're talking about the Bucks. We're talking about that division and. It's a lot like, you know, the, the AFC, but I just, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much going on in the NFL right now, and this is like such a, a race. Um, but with San Francisco being so good, you know, you got Debo, you got Brandon Ayuk is playing great, obviously McCaffrey, Kittle. But in his, you know, second year, I mean, Brock Purdy is leading the league in passing uh, touchdowns. Like, I feel like he's one of those dudes that, like, so because there's so many stars around him, he's flying in under the radar, and his name's up there for the MVP. And I was like, how are you going to put him up for the MVP? And then I looked at his numbers, and I was like, he's leading the league in that well, almost everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because I was – With Jalen Hurts, he's had a lot of t- uh, turnovers lately. That's been the knack lately. Yeah. Uh, Same with know, Mahomes. He's been tearing the ball over, too. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, that's kind of one of those things that once you get enough tape out there in the NFL and you've played a long time, there's there's different things that if your defense or, you know, the game plan for and you, you kind of gamble. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I feel like the, the playoff picture is, even though we're kind of winding down, people are getting in, I feel like it's going to come down to the last minute to see, you know, where these wild card teams are going to play. If you have first round buys, you know, Detroit having home field advantage, you know, something like that. But on a side note, did you see, I'm sure you saw it, maybe you didn't, but uh, Detroit just announced that their uh, ticket, ticket prices went up 85% for the 2024 season. I, I did see that. They've been in the bottom 10% for the past 10 years, likely, obviously no reason. <laughs> so it's funny, we were talking at dinner and my wife's like, you got to be kidding me. I said, no, I said, we're one, we've been on one of the worst teams and always want to see this. But speaking of that, Another thing, did you see Carolina's turnout for the last home game? Yes, I was. I actually saw that. I was watching that at the at the bar. And so, so they said they said roughly a hundred people. I don't know about that, but they said tickets were going for three dollars and fifty cents 
<laughs> and they couldn't even sell it. And I mean, like, just kids are in the stands. But not again, not to get too far from what we're talking about, but so much going on in the NFL. I just love the parody in, in different things. But um, to get back to what we're talking about, yeah, the playoff picture, uh, we need we need to wrap it up that way. Whatever happens after that with Dallas and, and Minnesota, it's it's not – we don't have to go into that last game of the season, kind of like last year where, granted, we won. We had to wait for someone else to to win to get us in, but we don't want to have to go into that because I'm not overlooking Dallas by any means saying, you know, but I just think that's – you want to wrap it up before the Dallas game to because I feel like, yep, okay, you're in against Minnesota – you focus on Dallas and say, "Hey, this is really where we're going to stack up. We can we can really test ourselves. And if something happens, it goes wrong. You're not going to be too down on yourself because you're already in." Yeah, and it's really like I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I know we keep saying this, but the the way this could all shake out because San Francisco's got a tough game. They play Baltimore this week, so if Baltimore. Baltimore wins, and we take care of Minnesota. We clinch the division. Uh, let's say Dallas beats Miami, and, and Philadelphia is probably going to beat New York. Then we're all four teams 11-4, and four, and we're setting up to play Dallas, which is another – I mean, I just – it seems like that's probably, if the NFL is scripted, where we're headed. But We've, thought, we've talked I mean, quite a bit about conspiracies. Is there <laughs> – I mean, just – I mean – the way things play out, you're talking about Minnesota the last two of the last three games of the season going into the NFC to, to wrap it up. And then you're talking about Sprinkle and Dallas, the possibility of two teams being 11 and four. Like, I mean, how does this stuff happen? Yeah, right. And and you to know, have Baltimore and San Francisco play each other at this point in the season when they're leading both conferences. Do you it's, think Vegas makes the schedules and then they just make the lines and, and that's why it's just so hard to beat <laughs> <Vegas>? Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be it's gotta be bigger than what we think it is. So but it's gotta be. But anyways, we, we got our predictions in. We've got the playoff picture, the implications. We both think we should wrap it up this week. Um huge game, obviously. That way we don't overlook into Dallas the following week. But uh Kind of before we get into our roundtable, we'll, we'll transition a little bit out of football. And Zach, I don't know if this is a good thing that I tee up to you or not, but give us a, a wings update here, man. What? What? I mean, last, last conversation we had was a little different. So, so what's going on? Look, man, we the Red Wings might have a Patrick Kane problem. I, and... Is there a curse of Patrick Kane? That's what I was saying. Yeah, man, like it is not good. Like, obviously, we talked about it being an experiment, and we've won one game since he's been in the lineup. Uh, so since we last recorded, it's been four straight losses. I don't know. It's it because I watched the game last night, and we scored two goals, and Kane's got assist on the first goal, and he scored the second goal. So, you know, it's tough to blame it on him, but. Hockey is not like basketball or like football where, you know, changing one guy doesn't change a whole lot in your lineup. It, it shakes up your entire lineup and it, it messes with the chemistry of everybody because you're playing with different guys on the ice. And so, I don't know. You it's Do you look do you look that far into it and say, man, is this, is this Kane? Because cause also the coach is in a tough spot, right? Because he can't just sit Patrick Kane. No. Because you're not like – we didn't sign him to sit him. I feel like so, we're shuffling a lot of lineups. There's some injuries. 
I think Larkin is he back yet, or he's supposed to be back? Yeah, he, yeah, he just you know. came back. So, so that's one thing. But I mean, like you said, you bring in a cane that says, "Hey, I'm good at earning my minutes," and then all of a sudden we're injured, and it's like, "Well, we need you, so we just kind of run with you." Yeah, and it's not the frustrating thing is it's not translating into wins, and and and, and here it, the crazy thing is like it could not even be a Patrick Kane problem, but it's just like of course that's that story is going to persist. Oh and, yeah, because that's his sign. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he, he sabotages from within, but no, yeah, that's that's that. No, that's pretty much the extent of Red Wings lost all four games since we last recorded, so it's not getting any better. And apparently, when they talked to uh, they talked to the coach, they talked to the players. Ever since they got back from Sweden, they had this portion of the schedule circled, knowing it was going to oh. be a grueling because they've had a lot of games in a lot of days, and it's not it's not turned into results. It may stall the rebuild. Who knows what kind of effect it'll have on the long term of the season. But obviously, we're losing grip on our playoff spot, and teams are catching us. And it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how we we attack twenty twenty four. It'll be a testament to this young team. Obviously, uh, a player like like Kane that can kind of be a locker room savant, you know, to help us. And obviously, Larkin coming back. But uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to say. Um, no comment on the the Pistons. We didn't even worry about writing them in this yeah. week. Not good. Um, still not good. Yeah, I mean, we can't talk about two teams on losing streaks, even though uh, yeah. four games or twenty four. Not games during the Christmas season, for sure. Yeah, so, so hey, I mean, the way I think the Pistons are just waiting for the new year to come around at this point. So, and I, but, but hey, but hey, on one hand, I'll take it if the Lions make up for all of it. But yeah, I mean, what are I mean, really, if, if who would have thought in our years of existence that the Lions are the ones that are ready to trip, so. <laughs> saving Detroit. <laughs> so, but, but anyways, uh, here we are. We talked obviously big playoff implications for the Detroit Lions. Uh, previous Denver, obviously going in a mini. Obviously, we'll look at Dallas and then the, then finalize things with Minnesota. We talked quickly about the Wings, uh, the losing streak, but you said they had it circled on the calendar, so they knew it was going to be a rough stretch. Uh, we'll see how they rebound. But Zach, uh, to finish about, fin- I'm sorry, finish this out here. Um, every once in a while, we bounce around with a roundtable. Uh, you got a little roundtable topic that we want to talk about, don't we? Yeah, topic is for me this week is college basketball. Um, and speaking of Detroit, Michigan State had a big win in the Motor City against Baylor, yep. uh, number six, one of the few undefeated teams left. Took them down. It was good to see. Uh, but no, what I want to talk about in the roundtable is how many more early season awesome matchups we're getting in college basketball. College I did basketball around, always sets the stage like that. They, yeah, but it seems it seems like they're ramping it up in the past year or so where we're getting more and more teams are getting out there, playing other good teams, and we've got these mini tournaments going on. And I know I did a roundtable piece on college basketball in the past where I was harping on – the rankings don't matter at the beginning of the season. I still believe rankings don't matter at the beginning of the season. Yeah. No, I agree. But, I think, and I think that's why they do this. Yeah, exactly. But it's still cool to see, like, you got number 10 playing number 7 tonight. Tomorrow we got number 21 taking out number 5. And it's like, yeah, these rankings don't matter yet. But still, this is it gives me a reason to turn it on. So I feel like college basketball is really going in a good direction right now. I want to turn these games on. Uh and I was just watching the Kentucky Louisville game before we recorded, and and it's just like I I love to see this. I it's going to be interesting to see because like personally for my Sparty team, 
we lost to a lot of the early ones. We lost to Duke. We did beat Butler, but um, lost to James Madison, who was still undefeated, uh, and took some else to Wisconsin, who was ranked at the time. And so Michigan State is losing to a lot of these ranked teams, but it's going to be – I'm interested to see how it's going to shake out when they, when they do – when the whole bracketology things comes out. I mean, obviously, yeah. they got to have a good season, but but – it's so different. Quality losses. Yeah, quality yeah, losses. Yeah, it, it, but it's so different from the, the culture of college football where they treat every game like you have to win it and you, you're crafting your schedule so carefully. I don't know if they do it so carefully, but it seems like you got to be wary. And and it's going to get a little more interesting with these conferences merging. But it's in basketball, it's like it's almost like they're like, yeah, give me Purdue, Arizona, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas in a row. And like, let's just see how our team tests in the beginning of the season. And I think it's absolutely awesome for the, for basketball fans. And, and it's funny you bring up this because on the opposite spectrum, I was going to talk about Florida state coming out saying that they want to potentially leave the ACC in, in football. And my passion on the flip side of your passion of the college football playoff and your rant and stuff like that is the college football transfer portal, I feel like, is the the worst thing for the game. These guys at this point are one and done here, one and done here. They're going to chase the NIL deals. They're getting this. And, and Archie Mann made $3.5 million last year, and he was a backup. And, and here we are, an Ohio State fam, you know, we lost the, the world, but we're – getting this five-star recruit, this five-star recruit. And, and this kid said, you know, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I want to play for Ohio State. I mean, the transfer portal, let, let me ask, and I think I've asked you this before, but college football and the transfer portal, once that opened up, the NIL and everything like that, I mean, it almost feels like there's no loyalty, there's nothing. So basically that means you're – you're not gaining anything but by being a college athlete. If you're a good athlete, you're going to be able to go wherever you want. You're going to play. You're going to bounce around, whatever. If you don't want to deal with somebody in front of you that maybe is another five-star athlete, you're going to go somewhere else. And, and yes, you're going to light it up. But is this – do you feel like this makes more pressure on high school coaches to really get these kids prepared? Because if these kids aren't good, they're going to sit and, you know, then basically all these kids that are, are – potential players that should be players that should maybe be sitting a year or two. They're going to go to some Joe Mo school. I mean, we talk about Kyle McCord signing with Syracuse. Like talking about the yeah. Ohio State quarterback last year with Syracuse, like, come on, man, give me a break. And, and that's no spite because he left Ohio state. I'm just that was so myself, random. Like, if you're going to leave Ohio state to play with another giant organization, why would you go to Syracuse? Like, yeah. What, what do you think the transfer portal? I mean, are you, do you like it or, or is it, do you, I, I can't say it's ruining the game, but I feel like there's no, there's no loyalty. It means nothing for these at these young kids. And I feel like we're, it's teaching them just to be money hungry and just do whatever they want. Like if you can't make it, you're, you're going to find somewhere else. Yeah. It was almost like it, it was, it, it did like a 180 to the college football system because you had this, you had it where like you had to sit out it, right. If you transferred yeah, now it's an entire that. season, yeah, and it was so hard to get the process done and and to even talk to other schools, and it was so hard. And now, like you said, you can do it year by year, which is like way more even lenient than an NFL contract. Like you signed an NFL contract, you've got to stay throughout that contract. And college, now it's like I could play 
four years at four different colleges four different if I schools. wanted to. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's when before it was like, yeah, you're you're absolutely playing all four seasons unless you're willing to sit out a season and go through a ton of paperwork. It's so night and day from how it was to how it is. And yeah, yeah I don't know. Like, changed, yeah, they changed the rules years ago about you couldn't be a one and done. You couldn't be a freshman and go to the NFL draft. You yep. had to stay. So, I mean, this is again, okay, we be, know we got to be in college a minimum two, three years, you know, so we're going to play wherever. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if it creates a dynamic in college kids where they become spoiled. I don't know if it'll have that big of an effect, but then you get to the NFL and you're like, what do you mean? I got to, I got to sign a three-year contract. What are you talking about? Like, I'm not used to this at all. And it's like, that's going to be society eventually, which look, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about the high school coaches. You brought up the high school coaches. I don't know if it might be less pressure on the high school coaches where they're just like, I just got to get you good enough to be recruited. And it doesn't, yeah, to maybe be honest, it, it doesn't matter door, where yeah. you get recruited because you'll figure it, it out later. There, on. Then. Yeah. And, and you know what? I don't think necessarily, I mean, the spoil thing, but I feel like I almost feel like while it hasn't improved by any means, I feel like this is going to create way more NFL draft busts. I feel like you're going to get a guy that maybe was at Alabama, was at a Georgia that was a second stringer that's going to go to a school, maybe not even significantly smaller, but maybe like a Notre Dame or something like that. Does well there, but they can't beat the Georgia guy. They can't beat that. So by the time they get to the NFL – they're on their high horse, but they're still not at that level, you know, and there's going to be like, okay, well, I lit it up in college where you see this all the time. There's the, not necessarily these college guys don't necessarily translate to, I mean, we got Stetson Bennett from, you know, a couple of years ago with, with Georgia, you know, yeah, the dude Tim was Tebow, on fire. I mean, He's a walk on. Yeah, I mean, there's so many players yeah. that we can mention that, yeah. you know, they go to the NFL, I mean, Johnny, you know, Manziel. Johnny Manziel, Baker, yeah, Mayfield, all these guys, on, you know, I mean, just, just so much, even though Baker has played decent this year. I mean, I feel like this is actually, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say the, I'm sorry that the, the high school coaches, I feel like, man, does this, does this mean that your scouting department for the NFL has to be that much better and really yeah. find, evaluate talent to, to that's say, right. hey, we're going to sign it, you know, I mean, that maybe that's, that's where it's going to be. But. Yeah. NFL scouts are going to be much higher graded or they're going to be under the microscope a lot more. You know, that's a really good point. I think, cause you're going to have to be, it's going to be a lot harder to find out who, especially who can work in your system. Cause that's what it's going to be. A lot of, a lot of college players are going to be trying to go to schools that run the system that best fits their style of play, you know? Uh, So yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. You can spend a whole episode, I think talking about that, but uh, Look, you brought up Baker Mayfield. I want to give you – I want to ask you two – I'm going to give you two stats this week that blew my mind, and maybe you've heard them already. But uh, I want to know which one you like more. Uh, so Baker was the first road quarterback to, per, to 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 have a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. Yeah, 150. Yeah, I know. It's all that. Yeah. And I think he was only the second ever. I think Aaron Rodgers is the yes. only one to ever do it at, at Lambeau Field. Uh, so anyways, props to Baker Mayfield. Perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field as a visitor. That's hard to do. Um, the second one was Jared Goff has now passed for 25 plus touchdowns in back-to-back seasons for the Lions, uh, and Stafford never did that as a Lion. Yes, it, Isn't that it's crazy? funny you bring this up because those are low-key. Like, I feel like it's so funny because you were talking about system guys and stuff like that. And I almost wanted to to, to end the episode and, and just ask you, like, just like your system quarterback Jared Goff, right? And then go into the <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean it, it's true you talk about baker and, and i see being in ohio i see these cleveland people saying oh yeah no 
Cleveland let go of Baker, like they got to be shooting themselves in the foot now. And it's like, you know, there's so many variables. I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, a fresh start, players going somewhere, doing something, especially with a, a high draft pick like that, you know. And all he did was the city of Cleveland, right? You know, I mean, he played through a, a torn shoulder, got him to the playoffs, you know, and now here he is in Tampa keeping them afloat. And, and yeah, I saw that statistic, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Of course, it's a guy like this that you wouldn't expect. But then on the flip side, I just saw a thing. You talk about Jared Goff. Uh, Dan Orlowski came out and said, you know what? I'm all in with the Lions, which he's a huge Lions guy. He's a huge Stafford guy. He said, Stafford got his ring, so I'm all in the Lions camp this this year. So uh, it's it's funny because we always talk about golf. We always go back and forth. And I'm a still a a, a believer. Uh, you know, he had me on the ropes. I wasn't going to jump off. And I know that you're kind of you know you've been you know and I and I see that they're they're uh, bringing up Hendrick Hooker. He's finally going to have an active roster spot. Teddy Bridgewater said he's retiring after the season, but we're carrying three quarterbacks, whether he's inactive or not, you know, hooker, but that's an active, you know, position, you know, a roster spot. So I, I, I think I said parody a lot this episode in the NFL. <laughs> I yeah, just, you have mentioned it a couple of times. I, I don't, I mean, the whole trade and, and we've, we've evaluated trades. We talked about last year who won the trade. I think it was a win-win and, and here we are in a different situation. And I got the Rams on up here. You know, they're winning 10 nothing, and, and they they quietly are saying right now is, is you know, L.A. one of the, the sleeper teams in the NFC right now, uh, powered by Stafford. And you're talking about a team that is getting healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously these, these guys are back. Stafford's playing good. Cooper Cup, all these guys. Um, not to get too far away from the actual – I know I can go on a tangent, but the, the actual you know conversation here, but yeah, golf. Uh, I mean, he's. I don't know statistics. I, I just I, I I don't know. Like I'm in his camp. I want to see him do well. I he he's winning. He's doing well, but I just don't know. Like I last episode, I'm sitting here saying he's playing himself out of contract. Obviously, this this past week he had a great game. Nothing's going to change overnight, but I just. That is the wild card this year. That is, I, I just, I really do not know what's going to happen. And I feel like that's where Brad Holmes has made his money in the draft. So what's he going to do in free agency? What's he going to, what's things going to look like next yeah. year? The quarterback I, I, I just think like my whole stance on golf is that I, when he's on the same page as Ben Johnson, I think they, it's, he's great. Right? I think he's a smart quarterback. I just don't think he's, he's a guy that you throw money at. Like, I, I think I, I honestly think Stafford would do just as well in this offense, you know? So honestly, anyone that's willing to learn it, to be honest, Hendon Hooker for that matter, if he's willing to learn the offense, it's, it's quick reads. It's, you know, it's stuff over the middle. It's play action. It's, you know, I'm not going to act like I know Ben Johnson's playbook, but it's, it's very, it's very, just be on the same page with the coach. And I think Jared Goff is just very good at that. And so that's why he excels. But so and I don't mean, I don't mean on a knock. Like when I say he's a system no. quarterback, it's, it's got you at 10 and four. Like I would take that any day. And and I feel like we talked about that too, because it's exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, could we have a guy in there with a big arm that throws a JMO that extends the field? Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, we'll take our shots here and there, but they're few and far between because I feel like that's the one part of golf's game that, that 
deep pass, even though last year, you know, I mean, we, we kind of lead the leagues in one of the 25 and over, but, um, you know, yardage, but I just feel like those are the things that are missing, but am I going to be mad if he signs? No, but I feel like I don't think it's going to be, and, and there's no reason for it, you know, the, the her, uh, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, the Joe Burrow, even back to the Stafford, like the contract is not going to rival any of those. And that's where I think Brad Holmes is, is, makes his money. I think that's where he's going to know that, you know, I, I think, and I'm not saying that Jared Goff is going to give us any kind of discount because he basically revitalized his career here. But I think in his situation, he's in a good place. He's not going to be able to go anywhere else and didn't do this over again. And I'm not saying the Lions by any means are better than anybody, but like you said, when he and Ben Johnson are on the weapons around him, I just feel like it's the best bang for your buck for him to, to really settle in and, not demand that huge contract, but yeah. also stay here and, and get us what we need. Oh, man, that would be best case scenario. If he honestly did realize that, and he was like, I have weapons everywhere. I have this offensive coordinator who's a genius. You talk about I Laporta. Don't need any more money. Episode, yeah. Young tight end. Amra's still young. They're all in the rookie contracts. I mean, man, if he has the get paid, but we have money. Yeah, if Jared Goff is like, I'll sign a long term, I'll take a pay cut so that you can pay Jameer Gibbs, you can pay Sam Laporta. Then I'm all in, but yeah, I yeah, bro. That would, honestly, it makes my heart warm to think that Jared Goff <laughs> might have that perspective where he's like, I'm, I'm not gonna get there's it no unless they give me like the this. Dolphins quarterback job, you know? Like I don't get a there's better no talk than about this. this at all. We're just we're just mentioning this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just theorizing ourselves, though. but yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would be amazing. But anyways, I think we've. We've covered it. I think we've got a little bit of everything. This is a good episode. We've talked quite a bit. There's a lot to be excited about, even though last episode we didn't know kind of the direction we said we had to win this game. It's crazy to think that this one game can kind of right the ship, and now we're all excited again. Um, maybe this is the, yep. the closest part to us being slappies, but, again, we're, we're, we're more realistic <laughs> about everything. But, uh, but I said, yeah, uh, just everyone keep in mind, we're still watching that defense. One game does not yeah. get you off the schneid. Got to do it back-to-back weeks. Still game. a lot of people shuffling in there. It'll be interesting to see what CJ Gardner Johnson does. A lot shuffling in that secondary. Um, Houston should be back soon, hopefully. Urban's slowly getting worked in. You know, it's uh yeah, it's one of those things that uh and, and we talked about it last episode. You know, I, I saw there's a few maybe linebackers or defensive ends, defensive tackles have been released, looking for new teams, looking for contenders. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what kind of pull we have, but, uh, Zach, before we, we get out of here, anything else you want to touch on? No, I just want to say Merry Christmas to the people. Hope you all have a happy holiday. Uh, obviously Christmas gift we're looking for is that Lions win. Uh, but just enjoy all the football this weekend. Um, if you're an NBA Christmas kind of person, hope you enjoy the NBA, but we got three NFL games on Christmas day, uh, so, uh, yeah, just want to wish, wish everyone a Merry Christmas, have a fun time, family, friends, and sports, Absolutely. if that's your thing. And I like it. Yeah, NF, or I mean, I'm sorry, NBA is a big uh, uh, Christmas Day type deal thing. That's right. You know, and I yep. feel like it's always head up by LeBron. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, exciting. And fantasy implications. Hopefully you guys uh, win a little money and uh, how that feels to lose fantasy and go into a, a family party knowing that you lost. Semifinals for me. But, uh, yeah, same same here. So but, Let's uh, go. But uh, anyways, uh, we'll get out of here. And, uh, you know, for me to be cheesy, it wouldn't be nothing else. But uh, I guess at this point, Motor City Realist, you know, on behalf of myself and Zach, uh, I guess uh, we'll be 
no, it, we won't be. Well, yes, we will, because I think we're next week off. So we'll see you next year at this point. So, so yes. yes, on behalf of us, uh, we're signing off. We'll see you guys next year. Happy New Year.